Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast, I feature Franklin Sermons, the director of the Perez Art Museum, Miami, since October 2015. His background includes being an art critic, editor, writer, and curator, and he previously served as department head and curator of contemporary art at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, a curatorial advisor of MoMA PS1, and a lecturer at Princeton University at Maryland Institute College of Art. These are a few of his notable roles at large institutions. One of his key projects includes the exhibition titled Basquiat at the Brooklyn Museum in 2005. Franklin has spearheaded major exhibitions at major institutions across the country and has a proven track record for galvanizing communities. He has established himself as one of the leading voices in contemporary art, and I am pleased to feature him on the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Welcome and enjoy. Franklin, I am delighted to feature you on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I know you have a crazy busy schedule, so thank you so much for your time. It is, but Phyllis, I'm delighted to be here with you, and it's good to talk with you. Thank you. So let's dive in. When you were younger, when when did you realize you were interested in the arts? <laughs> it's hard to say. I mean, in many ways, I was around it and kind of surrounded by the arts and specifically, or most importantly, by artists. Um, I don't even know if I could have called it the arts, but I knew there were artists around. And for the most part, they seemed like cool people who had a really, who lived well. And I guess that rubbed off a little bit. I did my thesis in university on Jean-Michel Basquiat. So I guess that was the first time that I actually, you know, registered that it was something that I was passionate about. Um, Prior to that, it was just the, you know, the the cliches kind of experiences of going to museums with your grade school class or something. Did you ever consider becoming an artist yourself? Absolutely not. Um, (laughs) My creativity level, not level, but interest in creativity and actual facility with any form of creativity was in writing. And that proximity to visual artists was something that was always integral to the experience. But I never really thought, oh, I'm going to make art, you know, like I would collage my wall and that was the output of my art. Later, as a as a junior in school, I ended up doing a semester at Morehouse and actually took my first real hands-on art class, a studio art class, um, which was a class in photography at um, Clark Atlanta. So you studied Basquiat. With that, what art movement did you favor or do you favor? How were you influenced by that? Well, you know, it's crazy because, again, I, like, I, I think it's somewhat cliche, but it's worth, it makes sense. 
like being surrounded by a lot of artists, particularly those who were, I don't know, what do you call it, a generation or two um, uh, older than me, uh, gave me one view, right? One point of view. And I did at one point assist in the studio of Ed Clark. So just for, for our listeners, I mean, this is an artist who was born in 1926 and I was assisting him in the early, you know, late eighties, early nineties while I was still in school. And so that gives some experience there. But prior to that, 1985, when I saw the cover of the New York Times Magazine with Jean-Michel Basquiat on the cover, that really made me interested and thought, wow, this artist who makes what we call neo-expressionist paintings, but also was a part of a graffiti movement at that time, really spoke to me directly in a very contemporary way and one that I you know, could relate to along with my friends. And, and did you favor figurative or abstraction? It's a great question. And I, I have to say that I've always kind of gone on equal terms um, with that, you know, an appreciation for abstraction and the kind of intuition and innovation that comes out of that experience, as well as equally being interested or passionate about um, representational painting. Basquiat is an interesting case in there because, you know, there are passages in those paintings that are quite abstract, but the figure is also always somehow, or usually somehow central to uh, what he's trying to, to say. That's very interesting. And, you know, I've seen a couple of articles recently about uh, the rise of interest in Black abstraction. Can you comment on that? Well, I don't know. I feel like the market and media, you know, for all good reasons, is always looking for the next thing. And <laughs> I think it's uh, okay to say that the last few years, we've seen a lot of really, really substantial, incredible representational and figurative painting. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable, right? I was on a call, uh, interview call for, um, uh, with Amy Sherald for her new exhibition at uh, Hauser and Worth, which just opened in LA last week. And, you know, so you, you got to think through that and think through Kahinde and his two decades plus of incredible painting and so many others, so many others. But um, it probably makes those who follow on a daily basis, those in both the market and media, curious as to what is next. And I guess that would make sense. <laughs> it's always calculated, right? In a uh, way. Yeah. Uh, so you've seen a lot of work. Do you ever feel you understand in the artist's head when they assign a title to a painting or a sculpture? I do. I feel like I feel like artists, you know, as somebody who comes from writing and probably, you know, is obviously more comfortable myself with words. I think that when an artist who works in a way that is primarily visual then steps away for a moment and has to apply text or naming to that visual work, that, that there's something informative, that there's something significant there. So I'd say most of the time, yeah. It's, it's an interesting point. I'm still learning how to do that. You have a lot more experience than I do. Yeah. <laughs> you I know, mean, it's a lot of looking, <laughs> a lot of looking, a lot of talking. You've been an art critic, an editor, writer, curator. What role did you enjoy the most before becoming the director of Pam? Before, gosh. I mean, I would have to say, you know, really being deep into curatorial is, is a really fun and uh, amazing place to be because you're surrounded 
by artists and surrounded by their ideas and looking to synergize your own ideas with their ideas. And that's a really awesome place to be. Yeah. So I'd have to say that, I mean, as far as working as a curator, but, and I would say both inside and outside of institutions, because independently you get to work with whoever you want. But at the same time, I find it so, so invigorating to think about artists and their placement within context of a given collection or a given building. And that's, uh, that's just enervating. Yeah. Art is amazing. So you re recently had your annual gala. So let's talk about that. What, what were you most excited about and challenged about? Oh my gosh. I was challenged <laughs> until the last second when it started because, and I, and I kept asking, like, like we have an incredible team here and I kept saying, are you sure that we can do this without having an alive part of it? And they swore that it was the best way to do it. And they were right. So, but I was definitely, I, I had trepidation up until the moment we started, I'll be honest. That was, it was challenging because obviously we've never done it before. And to do an event, uh, it was a hundred percent virtual. I mean, with the exception of people chatting away in the chat box or, or, or creating their own kind of moments around those couple hours, uh, it was primarily a virtual event. And it was the first time we'd ever done anything like that. So it definitely came with some challenging moments, but I'm just so pleased that everything clicked the way that it did. And I'm incredibly pleased that we were able to highlight our dear friends at Rooster, um, Derek and Marcus and everybody there, and Chef Tristan and the relationship that they have to Miami was, you know, the highlight for me to be able to engage in a conversation about Overtown and its deep creative past, especially because we were doing the interviews at the same time that um, the Regina King's movie came out, you know, so to think about One Night in Miami and that deep history there in relationship to the restaurant was really, uh, I don't know. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, I enjoyed that film. And regarding yeah. the event, you know, I thought some parts of it were live. So it's good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I enjoyed it quite a bit. So glad to hear. As a director, Pam, how do you hope to impact the culture of Miami and the surrounding communities? So what, what, what I think is so exciting is that on one hand, there is no like, there's no hundred years of history in terms of museums here, right? It's not like New York or Boston, Chicago, or even LA for that matter. And so you're dealing with um, a history, but one that is still kind of in the telling. That's 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 ripe, and where you can really make direct kind of uh, edits to to the trajectory, and, and that's super exciting. And what we really want to do is we want to expand the the kind of um, field for for visual artists to be a part of a, a, a larger civic conversation. And I think we have the right building to do that, the right location to do that, and the right people, both internally on staff and on the, the board, as well as a community that is, is just is growing rapidly. And so the exciting part is how can we be a part of people's lives as this change comes about? What are you most exci excited about now? Um, like it goes, it goes in waves. You know, I'm I'm most excited about an exhibition that is. It's always it's always kind of in some ways the next thing, but there's an exhibition opening next month or this month called "The Artist as Poet," 
and it really builds on from our collection and which is a collection that has doubled in the last five years and and it takes the the depth of the collection in order to explore an object's relationship to text and to writing and so obviously for me that's just right in the in the sweet spot and um, i'm really excited about that and it's a young curator who's really working on her first systematically drawn group exhibition ever and her name is Maritza Lacayo and that's super interesting that like as you asked me you know what what did you most what position would you most um like prior to becoming a director well as being a director and not curating to the same degree anymore those are the kind of things that really excite me you know working with our curators who are coming up with amazing ideas all the time. Wonderful. I can't wait to uh, come down your way again. So as the father of a young child, how do you feel <laughs> art impacts their intellectual development? And, and why do you feel art is important? Well, I, I, I believe that you know, the, the best thing about art is that it is subjective, it's open to interpretation. There is no hard and fast rules in order to make it. And so it forces you to kind of think out the box and to think creatively. And that's what I see she's done in her life, her short life <laughs> at 10 years old. <laughs> but it plays it plays a part all the time, like literally all the time. And and you know, you think about like like Jasper Johns talks about like take an object, do something to it and do something else and that 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 concept of constantly questioning things is is all about kind of critical thinking and so the the great payoff is that it doesn't matter if one is good at making art but it makes one a better i think human being more empathic and also a better creative and critical thinker so getting back to the museum world how do you feel covid and the black lives matter movement will impact the mission of art institutions, short-term and long-term? Well, it's rocked our worlds, that's for sure. I mean, I think that on one hand, COVID forced us to, to, to reckon with a lot of things and BLM and the emphasis on considering systemic racism, um, not only nationally, but globally, has also forced uh, certain conversations. For instance, We've always, I, th I think we've been good at being committed to our, what we call a Miami lens, right? So we wanna be a museum of international modern and contemporary art at the highest caliber, like, like many others and around the world, but we wanna do that from here. And that means presenting the work of Latin America and the Caribbean while looking toward uh, US Latino experience in the African diaspora in a way that no one else could possibly conceive of. And if we do that, we're doing something right. But the events of the summer also forced us to say, well, how, how significant are we, you know? And how much are we doing? And how much more do we need to do? And what is the true power of art in a world where the situation politically and socially is at such a tenuous kind of moment? And that's what the last four years have felt like in many ways. So it's definitely, it's, it's forced us to be better. I'd say also museums have done a lot of, um, we've been probably out there more than any other, well, more than any other industry in terms of saying we are examining issues of diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and equity 
we've talked about it for a long time, but I've never seen so much movement as we've seen in the last six months. That's for sure. Does it ever concern you that this might just be a trend? Yeah, but that's, that's our life, though, in a way. And I don't know if this sounds trite, but there are moments, I think, when, when in our lives when you think, oh, my gosh, my parents were in their 20s and 60s. Like, what an amazing time to be alive and how much change that, that you just had to be a part of. Right. And then and then you might think, well, wow, I wonder what our moment is. And God, here's our moment. There's a chance right now to do things that leave a substantial mark that make it go way beyond faddish kind of observation. So it's, it's, it just feels like it feels like the right moment. Am I concerned? No more so than, than, than normal. You know, like when people talk about how interesting black art is, in, I, I, it's funny. It feels like people have been saying that for like six years to me, but we all thought it was interesting and exciting way before that. <laughs> right. So that happens and these things come and go. I mean, I remember being in the eighties and, and, you know, first time I was coming into, to, looking extensively at visual art and art of Chinese, a Chinese art was, had a moment then too. It granted it, it had another moment, but it was a big thing, you know, then. So, so everything goes in these kind of cycles and this one feels like none other, at least in my lifetime. Do you feel there is a definition of black art? Mm, black art is everything. Uh, yeah. It's, a, it's truly everything. I don't know if there could be a definition now. If I think about, is there you know, is there a black aesthetic? Is there a way of black artists doing things? Yeah, I believe that. I believe that in the same way that in terms of culinary tradition, when we talk about black people making food, and I don't even have to say soul food, but there is a way that black people make food. There's a way that we make music. There's a way that we make art that has an aesthetic to it that can be pinpointed and drawn. And, and not only that, but it has a history to it, right? And there are many ties to West African traditions in particular that, that have a life in the quote unquote new world. And that's just to highlight one line, but uh, I think black art, especially in a global sense, is so broad that it encompasses everything. That's beautiful. What do you feel is the role of the artist? Well, there's different roles for different artists. So if I think about say, the Astor Gates and kind of the conversation that we were just having about aesthetics. I mean, Theaster's work is fully tied into those kind of aesthetics, the way that he's used um, materials, loaded materials in very specific ways, tar, fire hoses, other things. It was really specific, really amazing. Other artists have play different roles. Stanley Whitney plays a very specific role in terms of abstraction, syncopation, color, and using color as form in painting. So I, I don't know, I, I, yeah, I feel like art, different artists have different roles to play and, and we're all enriched for, for that kind of diversity of, of, of intellectual thought and production. We certainly are. This has been a great conversation. I was looking forward to speaking to you because I knew your perspective would be different and unique from most of the earlier episodes that I've done. So I really want to thank you for your time. This is our last question. What do you mm -hmm. feel is the purpose of art? The purpose of art is to, in a big sense, is to make the world better. And it does that by being a tool of communication and one that 
you know, is visual in its properties and speaks in a way that is almost not a lingua franca, but a way of communicating throughout the world that is way more fluid than the way that we communicate in terms of language. I say this all the time, art will save us. I hope so. I think so. <laughs> well, we certainly need to be safe. Indeed, indeed, sure. indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Thank you so much, Franklin. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Phyllis. So good to talk to you. Take care. Okay, you do the same. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit cerebralwomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.